This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday listen to Conversation with Unc hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. All right, here we go. Straight into Vegas on a Saturday into a Sunday. we got two hours on the way. Steve Cofield here, Brad Powers, Fezzik here as well. Of course, the fellas are in the wise guys' chairs. RJ Bell's on the mend. He's on the mend. He might call in, though, at some point. Who knows? Maybe he gets all uh, froggy and fired up. So we start off tonight because we're going to do a lot of college basketball. We start off with our Vegas lead. And the Vegas lead is the beginning of March Madness. This weekend always represents the smaller conferences, but today was the Big Ten semifinals. Before we get to the games, you and I were discussing the tournament placement this week. So I'll ask you first, Brad, and then Fezzik. As fans and then guys who play the games, do you like that the Big Ten jumped the gun You know, a week advance in front of everyone else in the major conferences playing in New York this week? I like it. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense as far as the Big Ten because they're the biggest show in town. They get all the notoriety for three, four days where you know they're going up against you know outside of the Duke North Carolina game. What was everyone talking about? The two semifinal games for the Big Ten. They have just been lost. It have been a couple of regular season games. So I think it's a major positive. They're pretty much the only show in town. The question is is how it's going to impact these teams like the Purdue's, the Michigan State's, having 12, 13 days off in between games. That'll be the overall net-net, whether this was a positive We're going to get not. to that inside of five minutes, The especially the future for Michigan State. You like the tournament being played this week? Love the tournament being played really? this week. I liken it to a Thursday NFL game because – Normally, you've got all these conferences. Who really cares who wins the Atlantic Sun? Yeah, maybe I'll look in on the finals. But now we had, just like the Big East tournament, is a great experience, and you watch that. But you've got all these other tournaments going on. You're a little bit dis- distracted, like Brad said. Only game in town. And I I don't think I'm speaking alone. I watched every one of these Big Ten games, and I really enjoyed it. So I told you off the air last night, I hated it. Actually, as I watched it today, like 
I kind of like this. And I actually think that maybe another conference should think about doing it as well and not have all of the big conferences jammed into next weekend. But I think a lot's going to depend on what happens to Michigan, Michigan State, the other Big Ten teams that are in in the NCAA tournament. If they fall on their face with 13 days off, then no other conference is going to try this. I don't think they're going to fall on their face. I think it's an advantage, and I think that the Big Ten teams are happy that they've got this week off because now every team can play to win. You know, that's always been the problem, that the Izzos, the savvy coaches say, you know, if we win, that's fine, but we don't want to be playing Saturday, and God forbid, on Sunday before the tournament, we might have to go to Boise somewhere and play um, a Thursday game in the tournament, and that was a big negative, and now we know every team can go all in. So let's get to the games. And we usually address the Saturday games using overrated, underrated. We got some on holds as well. Michigan takes on Michigan State. Michigan State came in with a 13-game win streak. But it was very deceiving. Against the spread, not real effective. Not playing great basketball. They were winning. So this one, Michigan got bet against. It went up to five, five and a half. Boy, they had a run in the second half, and they took over, spread the floor, 75-64 win as dogs over Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State looked gassed in the second half, and that's to be expected if you've been listening to Tom Izzo, their head coach for Michigan State the last couple of weeks. He has said, my team is gassed, and it's actually it's not showing up in the win-loss record as far as straight-up wins. It was 13 straight wins for Michigan State, but Michigan State in their last 12 games coming into today had only covered twice, twice, and obviously they get outright upset. And I think the bigger story here, not only Michigan State probably slightly overrated, but I think the underrated team is the Michigan Wolverines. We talked about this on last night's show. Here's a team you go back to the start of December. Michigan's been playing like a top-10 team. Now they're 20-4 and four straight up. A couple of those losses last second against Purdue. Those are coin flip games. They turn up heads for Michigan. I mean, we're talking about a top-5 top team. Yep, But they're 20 20- 20 and 4 straight up recently, 17 and 7 against the spread. And here's a team, and Brad alerted me to this, that always turns the switch and, like the Cleveland Cavaliers, plays better come tournament time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Michigan Wolverines now 7-0 and straight up in the Big Ten tournament last two years. Yeah, they won it last year, despite the fact they're facing major distractions. That was the where the plane runs off the goes off the runway. Michigan's got to play a couple games with their practice gear on. And no coach in the NCAA, not Tom Izzo, not Coach K, not Roy Williams, has a better ATS record as far as long-term in their career than Michigan head coach John Beeline. 56 and 31 against the spread. NCAA tournament, he's 20 and 9 against the spread. Michigan, last 12 years in the Big Ten tournament, has at least won one time in every conference tournament game. That's incredible. They haven't had, uh, you know, a. a a game where the, the you know the first game of the tournament. Have we seen Dukes and the North Carolinas always have that one time where they get upset in the first round? Question for you, Brad. Now, what has always been Michigan's Achilles' heel is that they can go ahead and score. They don't have enough defense to get into the Final Four. Typically, that may be different this year. Incredible. Uh, Michigan has been known more as an offensive team under John Beeline. Great spacing right around the perimeter. They're a great perimeter team. But defense has always been kind of their weakness. In fact, they've never had a top 35 defense. Average defensive ranking for Michigan the last 10 years, number 73. This year's defense, now after shutting down Michigan State today, currently ranked in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency rankings. Number six in the country by far, John Beeline's best defense in Michigan. So we're talking about the Michigan victory over Michigan State. Sparty, 13 in a row. That snapped. 75-64, to 64, Michigan was a five-point dog. As we look ahead... On Michigan. Very important if you are fired up about the Wolverines, because we'll get to the game tomorrow in the second hour. 
but for the NCAA tournament and national title odds. You got to shop the number because the number I keep quoting at a book that I play at in Vegas is 22 to 1, but you're telling me Michigan is still 40 to 1 at some books out there. There is, and that's the key emphasis. Uh, if you want to increase your odds of winning, just a, just gen- generally speaking, have more than one out because uh, you can shop around and get a much different number. With the futures for Michigan, significant value in shopping around. 22 to 1 is what you listed. Some books, 20 to 1. You could find a couple books in Vegas today, Michigan future odds, 40 to 1. So basically twice as much value shopping around than just taking whatever numbers available for you. And let's talk about why 40 to 1, obviously way better than 22 to 1, but why that is so significant if Michigan makes the final 32. Let's assume they have a 50-50 shot to win their next each of their next five games. They'll be a favorite to start, and then they'll be a slight dog. We're going to simplify. That's a 1 in 32 chance to win it all. 40 to 1 is the overlay. And you think they're going to be what seed? Depending on if they win the Big Ten tournament, what's the what's the high number? And if they lose, say, badly against Purdue, where could they drop to? I think they're any, they're probably sitting around from three. If they beat Purdue, win the Big Ten tournament, I think a three seed. If they lose badly, I think they're a five seed, Michigan. I think it's a four or a five seed. If there's one thing we've seen from the committee, they don't pay that much attention to who wins these title games. But now the question <laughs> is, <laughs> well, is yeah. it predetermined because they've already got all their brackets done when it's on Sunday, but now have things changed because it's a weekend? Yeah, I would say yes. Big Ten tournaments in the past, they were the last game on Selection Sunday. A lot of times it didn't matter who won the Big Ten tournament. This might be completely different because they'll have an entire week, the committee, to analyze who won the Big Ten. So I think that might be another positive for the Big Ten playing this a week early. So let's talk Michigan State. It was now, I think, four Fridays ago, they lost to Wisconsin. They didn't cover. That night we said, boy, with all this going on with the Larry Nasser stuff, there's other allegations that there's problems in the program and previous problems in the program with sexual assault. Izzo's getting hit by non-sports media left and right. He's going to get weary of this. Are the players going to get tired of it? Then Miles Bridges, in the last 10 days, he's named in this FBI investigation. And as it's worked out here over the last three and a half weeks, they don't cover any spreads. And again, it it happened today. Obviously, they were laying five and they lost outright. Yeah, only two spread covers for Michigan State in their last 12 games, despite the fact this was a Michigan State team coming in today had won 13 straight. I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of, I think they're overrated in the marketplace, but I think having this 12, 13, 14 days off might be a positive for Michigan State. They're out of the limelight. They can just focus on basketball. And again, like I said at the top here, Tom Izzo has said, we are gassed. We're out of momentum. So having a week off, I think, is going to end up being a positive net factor for Michigan State. You know, sometimes you see one game and you draw a conclusion about a team. And the game I remember the most is Michigan State playing at Northwestern. But it wasn't at Northwestern. It was by O'Hare Airport and at Allstate Arena. There were more Sparty fans there than Northwestern fans. McIntosh, the point guard for Northwestern, was out. Yet Northwestern built a 22-point lead at half and then blew it. And Sparty won. Given you get down 22 in a favorable situation with the hidden home crowd against Northwestern there, I don't think you can win the national title if you're that weak a team. No question. Michigan State right now, future odds, at least coming in today, had Michigan State as the favorite, like 3-1, to 4-1, 5-1 to one in some spots, depending on what book. 
I said on last night's show, I wish I could bet the no on that instead of betting on them to win that, because I would. I think a distracted team, they're going to get... R.J. Bell has talked about the NCAA probably giving them a bad seed. That could be the case. Michigan State, despite the fact record-wise, probably should be a one or two seed, might end up getting a three seed. Fezzik, Brad Power, Steve Cofield, straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. One last deep dive on this. I saw a very interesting stat on Michigan State, and I want to do this with a couple of teams. Kentucky later on with the three ball, and we saw what happened with Kentucky today. Michigan State turns the ball over a lot. Actually, I got two deep dives here. One, they turn the ball over a lot. They're 250th in the nation in turnover ratio. Uh, so a guy named Eli Boker on uh, one of the, I think he's a, the Mountain West insider, but he's a really good college basketball guy. He did some research on this. Said the recent top three seeded teams with these turnover rates that high, you know, 19 plus, 250th in the nation. 2016 West Virginia, 15 Baylor and Kansas, 14 Kansas, 13 Georgetown. Those five teams were two and five in the tournament. Mm. Three of them lost to a 14 or worse. Wow. When you turn it over that much, that's a problem. I'll give you the other deep dive here. And I noticed this during the game in the second half. When Michigan started spreading the floor, and there's a lot of smaller teams. Not that Michigan's small, but they've got the, the kid Wagner who can you know face the basket. When you spread the floor against Michigan State, they're a big team. He... Tom Izzo's built a team to have true fours and fives. You know, 6'8", 250 guys. Jackson, 6'11", 250. All of a sudden, these 250-pounders have to defend on the perimeter, and I thought that was obvious in, in the matchup in the second half against Michigan. I mean, how many blow-bys were there against a good defensive team from uh, Michigan State? And they couldn't basically couldn't cover them. And second time that's happened. Keep in mind, that's the second time Michigan's really taken it to Michigan State in the second half. They did it in East Lansing in the first uh, meeting between the two teams. And I think you bring up a great point. It's all going to depend on the matchup that Michigan State gets. And if a Mountain West contributor knows that, maybe the NCAA might know that and give a team that can spread the floor or a pressing-style team that can really hamper that Michigan State turnover uh, deficit. I'd be looking at that as far as first or second-round matchup. If they face a team like that, I would be inclined to maybe be on that team plus I mean, the points. Reality is there's a lot of teams that put four players on the floor at a time who can shoot the three and spread the floor. So matchups are going to be everything for Michigan State in the tournament. On the way back, we'll get to Notre Dame. And Virginia was a little closer than most people expected. We'll find out if we've got overrated, underrated on either the Irish or the Cavaliers. That's up next. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! It's Straight out of Vegas coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Big night of college basketball. Recapping what happened on Saturday, including... A big conference tournament. We just got through breakdown of some of the Big Ten. I do want to hit on the Purdue-Penn State game here before we get to Notre Dame and Virginia. It's Steve Cofield. We've got double wise guys on their thrones as we uh, move into March Madness. Fezzik is here. Brad Powers. So Purdue and Penn State was a crazy game. Penn State played really well until about two minutes left in the first half. Lost the lead at the half, second half. Purdue comes out, is firing on all cylinders. Man, that Carson Edwards kid, that guy can shoot. He went six and nine from three. So I'm looking up. I'm seeing 71 54. Purdue's laying a big number. What was Purdue going into the game? Uh, depending on, I, Purdue opened up like six and a half point favorite, got bet up to even some books up to nine point favorite. So really depend on what, uh -oh. line, what number you got in this game. 
And then late, Penn State makes a run on the final score, 78-70. to 70. A very late run. Uh, Penn State hit not one, but two three-pointers in the final 12 seconds. So what happened? Penn State hit a three. Purdue had the ball, turned it over. Penn State hit a three at the buzzer. And depending on what number you got with Penn State, you might have got a maybe a win or at least a push if you're back in Penn State. So, Brad, i got to ask you. So you got a line move from 6.5 to 9, a very public, the number one tournament that the public is betting on, and you see it go all the way from six and a half up to nine. No buyback though; it stays eight and a half to nine. What's going on here? Was that all public money? Because Purdue is not a wise guy favorite. No, I don't think it was all public money because I mean Penn State's been a covering machine here. Only a couple of non-covers for Penn State in their last ten games, and Purdue on the flip side, Purdue's two nine and one against the spread in their last 10-12 games. So again. I, I don't think that was all public betting on Purdue in that game. I think there was some wise guy. And again, I'm not understanding a lot of the markets on some of these teams. I Michigan State getting money today, didn't understand that. Purdue getting money, the money against Nebraska we've been talking about for weeks. It's been an intriguing market this year. So Purdue is now slated to face Michigan in the Big Ten final for the auto bid. They're both going. <laughs> we'll hit that inside of 60 minutes and get the analysis from both Fezzik and Brad Powers. Notre Dame. Took on Virginia. We've been waiting for Notre Dame to get healthy. They're getting healthy. 62-57 final today. Virginia wins it. Virginia was laying, what, 10 in the end? Everyone was uh, going against no, Notre I, Dame? Or no, the actually, way? the other way. Okay. Uh, Virginia opened up a 10-point favorite. The money was on Notre Dame. Dropped to 8.5 points as far as Virginia being a home favorite on senior day in that one. And... Just per, per watching the game, Notre Dame missed opportunity, I would say. Well, you liked Virginia. Yep. But it was because you didn't think Bonzi Colson was 100%. And then what did Bonzi Colson do for the Irish? Bonzi Colson is 100%. <laughs> Bonzi Colson, 24 <laughs> points, 14 boards, played like the preseason ACC player of the year, like he was coming into the season. Missed opportunity because Notre Dame was down two, had several chances to hit a three late in the final minute, couldn't do it. They win over number one, Virginia, on the road. Now they're firmly on the bubble. That loss kind of hurts them there. But I think the overwhelming factor for me, at least moving to the ACC tournament, I got to upgrade Notre Dame significantly. I, I didn't factor in Bonzi Colson being 100% he is. Notre Dame is a legitimate top 25 team if Bonzi Colson is healthy. Yeah, I think if you'd been in Australia all college basketball season, you just flew back and watched one game, and then you watched this one, you'd say, wow, these two teams are right about where I expected them to be with preseason expectations, not with Virginia being 17-1 in conference and Notre Dame being on the bubble with Bonzi Colson back. This was an evenly played game. I do think that Virginia, that win at Louisville, was so emotionally charged, that miracle win down four with just seconds remaining. And I wonder, it really seemed like they were lacking energy at the end of the game. I think um, very difficult for them going into the ACC tournament now with back-to-back very difficult games. I am not looking to be buying Virginia in the ACC tournament. Really? I'll Both be, of you are, are going to fade a little bit? Or yeah. you think they're you think Virginia's overrated? I... I, I I don't think they're overrated. They firmly deserve to be a number one seed, and they're clearly a top two, three team in my power ranks. They have the best defense in college basketball, Virginia does, in the last 17 years. If you look at points per possession, Virginia best defense. They're clearly a number one seed, but I'm not going to pick them to win at all. I think there's teams out there like Duke that have a, a much higher ceiling. Yeah, clearly number one seed based upon body of work. 
they play Duke on a neutral site. Give me the Dukies at Pickham. Thank you very much. Even though Virginia beat Duke, went into Cameron and beat Duke earlier this year. Sure, because Virginia has a ceiling, like you said, and Duke keeps getting better each and every week, and it's going to catch up to Virginia like it always does in the tournament. Well, before we get to more overrated, underrated teams, why don't we talk about Duke then? So Duke wins 74-64. Uh, Duke was favored. Where did the number finish at? Seven? Seven, seven and a half. Money, late money all on Duke. Total was 162, so way under at 74-64. to 64. What happened in the game? Well, I mean, remarkable comeback from, from Duke. Duke was down, believe it or not. If you're just looking at the final score, Duke was down in the second half, 42-29 to 29 in this game. They erupted, and when you can outscore North Carolina in a 15-minute period by 23 points, win by double digits, cover a spread like 7.5, that shows you the ceiling. And Duke, in my opinion, has the highest ceiling of any team in college basketball. I, if they get a favorable draw in the NCAA tournament, and they should, they're Duke, I'm going to be picking Duke to win it all. That was a great performance tonight. And I do want to mention the total quickly. You mentioned it went way under. Now, six straight unders for Duke by 28 points per game. Ever since Duke switched to a zone defense, they're playing top 10 defensive basketball on that side of the ball. And if that's the case, they're the best team in the country. So this is two teams now you're saying are playing better defense than they have in a long time. Michigan and Duke. And you're fired up about both. Absolutely. And here's why. The last 16 national champs, average defensive ranking for the last 16 national champs, eighth in the country. And every single one of them had a top 20 defense. And accolades to you. You were all over the under 161.5, came down to 159.5, spot on with the zone defense. Hey, maybe we get an Elite Eight game with Michigan playing Duke, and we can bomb the under in that one. That's so much in the future. We'll see about that one. <laughs> Actionable. <Fast. laughs> so are you on Duke, or you think it's a, today's win was a little bit phony? I think it was phony. I think that both teams played very well, but if you watch 58... 58. I'm still in football mode. If you watched 38 minutes of that game, it could have gone either way, and somehow Duke wins by 10, and so I think maybe a little value in North Carolina. There's no way that they shouldn't have covered this game. Certainly not necessarily won it. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think it's phony that Duke came from behind and won the game. The fact that they covered Duke did a 7.5 point spread. Agree with you, Fez. A little bit misleading. Your best bet of the day was also in the ACC. NC State minus 3 against Louisville. And Wolfpack wound up winning 76-69. The market was against me because NC State, you could have at the close laid one and a half with the Wolfpack, but they get the cover. And what happened, pretty much an even game. But what happened in the second half is Louisville, off that emotionally draining loss against Virginia, is as heartbreaking of a loss as any team's had in college basketball this year, ran out of gas in the second half, and NC State ended up covering. NC State's a team that has been a surprise so far uh, in first year under, under their head coach. Going to get like an 8 or 9 seed, but I'm not going to be buying them to make a deep tournament run, NC State. Question for you, Brad. NC State, here's a team that has been playing pretty darn well, yet for some reason the marketplace hates this team. You see money consistently coming against them. Louisville, off of that horrendous loss, they're plus 3, then they're plus 2, then they're plus 1. All the money on Louisville today. What's going on? I well, I had a best bet. I played against the market. I, I can't. I can't answer that. We've seen that time and time again with teams that continue to cover numbers. NC State's been a profitable team. Last 10, 11 games, they've covered. The, I think eight and three against the numbers. So I'll cont- I'll let the market give me better value. I mean, it's the same. I can't emphasize this enough. No, the market was against Nebraska, even though Nebraska is probably on a historic ATS run. Nebraska in a twenty game period was eighteen and two against the number, and the markets continue to play. At least there's a betting group out there that's playing. Against 
against Nebraska. It wasn't me. I was playing on the Huskers. Talking college hoops here on Straight Out of Vegas. Great place to watch college hoops. Hooters. Got to get the Hooters. Try the new Smoke Wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings. And with all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many hit Hooters today, tonight, tomorrow, during the tournament. Do it. Another overrated team. Xavier. You are not fired up right now about the Musketeers. Beat DePaul 65-62, to and they were laying a healthy number, did not cover. Yeah, Xavier was laying 7.5 today. They escape a DePaul team win by three, and here's why I'm not buying Xavier. We've been talking defense uh, on this show tonight. Xavier doesn't have that great of a defense. Number 76 in the country. You look at the top 15 teams in the country right now, all of them have much better defenses than Xavier. And why do I mention defense? Again, I just mentioned it. Xavier looks like everyone's got Xavier as a number one seed, number two seed at, mo- at worst. So, therefore, they are a national title contender. Not according to me. Again, the last 16 national champs in college basketball have all had a top 20 defense. Xavier, number 76. I am not buying Xavier to get to the Final Four. And defining moment of Xavier's season. So January 10th, they go to Villanova. They get smashed, lose by more than 20. No big deal. It happens. Then you come home. You get them in your crib with that huge revenge, blowout revenge, Xavier does. This is their home run game of the year. And you blink, and they're down 15 in the first half, leaving Villanova guys wide open, popping threes the whole first half. They wind up losing that game by almost 20. Again, pretender, Xavier. You trust anyone in the Big East? beyond Villanova to make a good run in the NCAA tournament? It depends on matchups, but no, I'm not. Uh, I think there's only two legitimate top 20 teams, obviously Villanova and Xavier. The Butlers and Creightons of the world, Seton Halls, Marquettes, very inconsistent. Not going to be buying those teams to make deep tournament runs. Up next, we turn our attention to Arizona. Sean Miller, DeAndre Ayton. Yes, it was a win, but I wonder what the guys here think about Arizona Moving forward, but up first with the latest, Steve Zisager. College basketball in Vegas right now. West Coast Conference Tournament quarterfinals. Now earlier, 7th-ranked Gonzaga, really surprisingly close game against Loyola Marymount. Zag shot 61% of the floor, uh, but only led by six points with about six minutes left. Eventually put away LMU 83-69. Now it's Pepperdine with a record of 6-25. and Facing 22nd-ranked St. Mary's, Pepperdine led 19-4 early and still leads early second half, 38-34 against St. Mary's. At Madison Square Garden, semifinals to the Big Ten Tournament, Michigan beat number 2-ranked Michigan State 75-64. 8th-ranked Purdue eliminated Penn State 78-70. And Murray State won the Ohio Valley Conference Final 68-51 over Belmont. Murray State went 18-2 in conference games this season. They've won 13 straight. Duke in a top-10 matchup, trailed rival North Carolina by 30 13 points early second half and still beat them 74-64. A key victory as the Blue Devils clinched second place in the ACC. A lot of upsets. Number six, Kansas lost badly at Oklahoma State. 18th ranked Clemson lost at Syracuse. Number 20, West Virginia lost in overtime at Texas. Number 21, Nevada lost at San Diego State tonight. Number 23, Kentucky lost at Florida. And number 24, Middle Tennessee lost at home to Marshall. Seven NBA games, including a Denver win at Cleveland, Meanwhile, Portland won its sixth game in a row, and Portland has a better record than Cleveland this year. Five straight wins for the Lakers after a comeback victory at San Antonio. Miami and Utah with wins. Orlando sent Memphis to a 13th straight loss. Kyle Larson won NASCAR's Xfinity race at Vegas. The 400 will be on Fox TV Sunday at about 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And UFC victories in the first round in Vegas tonight for Chris Cyborg and Brian Ortega. Back to you. Good job, Steve. Yeah, we'll get to the UFC. We'll get to a little boxing towards the end of the show. We've got another 90 minutes on the way straight out of Vegas. Fezzik's here. Brad Powers, Steve Cofield. 
RJ Bell's out tonight. When RJ is back, with you guys especially, the information and the historical trends of the NCAA tournament, I'm telling you, it, that is something you're going to want to listen to if you're in the audience because uh, there's a lot of data on the NCAA tournament you can lean on. So that's coming up in the, the next week or so, really, uh, that, what, 14 days from now, we'll get to that as well. So let's get to more overrated teams based on what happened on Saturday. Uh, another one, Arizona State. Boy, what a season Arizona State has had. And this is why rankings mean nothing throughout the season. That was a top five team at one point earlier. Arizona State has really fallen apart. And today it was Stanford. Yeah, Stanford. Outright loss. As an eight-point favorite for Arizona State, they lose to Stanford. And since Arizona State, they had the huge win over Kansas, Arizona State did early in the season. Arizona State got to, what, number four in the AP poll since then? Arizona State, eight and ten straight up. So not even playing like a bubble team, the Sun Devils. And how about this? Against the spread, only four covers in those 18 games for Arizona State. Here's a team that's went from being in the top five Arizona State to playing themselves right on the bubble. How many Pac-12 teams going to make the tournament? <laughs> Great question. Uh, <laughs> it's looking shaky. Two. Beyond two. Yeah. Someone's going to have to make a run. Well, Arizona's will have really, to make a run, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Arizona's the only lock. Arizona State probably in, but... Washington was in the running, but they lost today to Oregon. Oregon had a bad play. loss against Washington State. So, what you know, one of those teams needed to get the job done. Utah? UCLA, USC. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I... I'm not sure that really any team. Utah's really not, not been consistent. They had a bad loss last week at on their home floor against USC. You know, the Pac-12 tournament is at the MGM Garden. That is going to be a great tournament. Well, it's actually at T-Mobile. Oh, it's at T-Mobile It's at T-Mobile, so uh, it's a much bigger arena, so 19,000 seats. Uh, and they, they do well. <laughs> they do real well. Big big crowds come in. and that It'll be interesting to see if... Because uh, the possibility, like you just said, is there that someone's going to have to win the tournament to get in. So if... Arizona gets out of the way and someone wins it, they're going to get the auto bid. So some teams on hold. Kansas did win the conference. So I don't know that we can freak out over what happened to the Jayhawks today, but that was not pretty. Kansas laying three and a half at Oklahoma State and got blown off the floor, 82-64. Yeah, the Kansas was bet against today. Uh, Kansas opened up about a five-point favorite. The sharp money came in on Oklahoma State. Kansas had never lost in Bill Self's era there. It's going on 15 years. They never lost two straight games in the regular season to any Big 12 foe until today. Oklahoma State won the first game in Lawrence, won it in dominating fashion today. To me, it just looked like a Kansas team that accomplished their major goal this season, win the Big 12 for a 14th consecutive season. They already had it locked up, not much to play for. Kansas, very unmotivated. So for both of you, Big 12 tournament, what do you do? Is this team fired up or not? Kansas, you skate them? Great question. I, I don't think they're 100% all locked in like they were to win the Big 12 regular season. It depends because they're off such a bad performance today. I'll, I'll say that they are a little bit more focused had they won today. I agree. I was all ready to fade Kansas. They pretty much had a number one seed locked up if they would have won today. Now, off that ugly loss, I think they might bring a little more extra energy to the Big 12 tournament. You've been on Kentucky. Now Kentucky's on hold. What was that? Florida laying five and a half. Uh, you thought Kentucky plus the points was a solid bet. Florida goes out, drills a bunch of threes, has uh, 10 threes, 80-67. And again, the problem on the Kentucky side, they made some threes. They simply do not make or make or shoot enough threes on a consistent basis. They're one of the bottom 25 teams in the country, and I don't know if you can win at a high level without matching threes. You can't be. And I mean, this game, they were only minus 12, but 
they could be facing games that are minus 15, 18 from the three-point line. That's a great point. And Florida was red hot in the first half from behind the arc, and Kentucky got down. And the big thing about the three-point shot is Kentucky, that really limits them from being able to come from behind. They were down 23 points, didn't make a little bit of a rally. Kentucky did. I, I'm on hold because it's it's showing me that it's still a very young team, the youngest roster in the country. Thought it was all in. Four straight wins and covers by double digits for Kentucky. Now after that performance, even John Calipari said, hey, that was what we were playing like a month ago. The focus effort wasn't there. Yeah, I got a biased view because this is the first game I really watched Kentucky in depth. They are an analytics nightmare. They've got these great athletes, but you watch them and they make so many bad decisions where five seconds into a possession, they'll shoot a line drive, 19-foot jump shot, and on defense, they leave guys wide open from three. I hate this team. Hate? Wow. No, <laughs> I still think I still think there'd be some value on Kentucky. We'll see if they can rebound in the SEC tournament. I'll be on hold as far as their next game. If they go right back to playing like they were the previous four games, then I'll be more likely to buy Kentucky because... We talk about the markets being against a team. The markets are against Kentucky. They've been bet against time and time again, even after this four-game uh, cover streak ended today. Kentucky, before today, was 30-1 to for the title and a five-seed. I want to examine that a little deeper here in a couple of minutes. I think I'm going to get laughed at. I, I hope not. Maybe maybe I can convince you guys that there's a couple of future bets out there that I can latch on to and maybe make some money. Let's talk Arizona. So Arizona, laying 17 and a half. Beats Cal, 66-54. We know the stories around Arizona. Miller's back now for two games. DeAndre Ayton's been there the whole time since the story broke about payment allegations. He's been a freaking beast. He had 26 points and 20 rebounds against Cal. He's averaging 22 and 16 in those three games. They've won the last two with Miller back, but they didn't cover either game. So what does that mean? Well, uh, maybe a little bit distracted. Uh, I can tell you that, again, the money came in against Arizona in this game. Number was bet down two and a half points from the opener. And still, they're they're laying, keep in mind, today they're playing the worst team by far in the Pac-12, Arizona is. I I don't know. I'm on hold with Arizona. They're winning these games. They seem motivated. Their best player's playing well. But uh, I I think this is a type of team that I would be very inclined to be betting on them when they're laying double digits. You, Fess? Betting against them when they're laying double digits. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. But you know, sometimes do we really want to throw them under the bus that much? Michigan State and Arizona. When you become a public darling, yeah, and from a point spread perspective, from what we do, we say, oh, we don't like this team because they're just too expensive, and we want to bet against them. But in terms of winning the tournament, is that really fair when we just talk about their chances of cutting down the nets? Yeah, I don't. It doesn't affect as far as cutting down the nets. Now, I mean, they're dealing with major distractions here, so I, I will not be having Arizona being placed in my Final Four. Unlike Steve Cofield, who <laughs> well, is rooting for him to t- cut down the nets. I, I did say that actually when the allegations came down and Miller got sidelined. That I am now rooting for this team because uh, my rationale is Sean Miller was caught for. Well, we don't know if he did it, but what he was alleged to have done, I think a lot of coaches are doing, and all of a sudden Arizona's the bad guy. So it gives me a reason to root for him. I'll go contrarian on that. I'll ask both of you guys. Miller's back. What's his value? This was something we debated looking at the possibility that he was going to be out for the rest of the season. RJ, up at RJ in Vegas, said that Vegas considers Miller to be one of the more valuable coaches in college basketball. Do you guys agree with that? No. I think he's up there, top 
15-ish. So he's worth a couple of... And here's why he's only worth a couple of points, because he, he has... Uh, Sean Miller for Arizona has a very experienced guy, number two guy. In Lorenzo, Lorenzo Romar. So that's why it's not that big of a... How many number two guys in college basketball are as experienced as Lorenzo Romar? Not many. Maybe five in the country. So that's why it's not a significant downgrade. Sean Miller's only worth maybe two and a half, three points. You know, let's compare him to his brother, Archie Miller. So University of Dayton... Pretty good program under Miller. They make the tournament. They have some nice runs. He leaves for Indiana in a transition year, and Dayton is total garbage in the Atlantic 10 once the second Miller leaves. I know their brothers are not the same person, but makes me think these Millers know their basketball pretty well. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as the comparison goes there, yeah, I think Sean Miller's probably eh, worth slightly more than Archie just because of experience. But keep in mind, Sean Miller's never made the Final Four. I would say he's probably the best coach out there that's never had a Final Four or national championship, but that's still something on Sean Miller's resume that's really lacking, considering the talent he's had at Arizona last decade. If you go on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas, these guys do the dream preview. So it was college football. Now the attention has turned to college basketball. I want to hear more discussion as you look towards the conference tournaments at this Pac-12 tournament, because I think you've set up a really good conversation here. One, you just mentioned five minutes ago that the rest of the Pac-12, it seems like every team that's close to the tournament is going to be fighting their ass off. They're totally desperate. But I will come back and mention one thing. The Pac-12 tournament being in Vegas traditionally is an Arizona. It's an advantage for Arizona. They have the best fans. They travel. So generally, if they make the semis and finals, it's it's very much a 70%, 80% chance. Arizona crowd. And that is fully worth a point or so when you're factoring that into the line. And we talked about that on that Dream Podcast and as far as conference tournament betting 101. One thing to keep track of where these tournament sites are being played because you can have something what we call a hidden home court advantage. So that's a very sharp handicap from the square chair. Yes, the square chair has it every once in a while. We saw the Big Ten tournament on Friday night. How about that? Little old crappy Rutgers. But they're right down the road. The school is 35 miles from New York City, even though the program mostly stinks. They were three, uh, only a three-win team in the Big Ten. It actually was pretty loud. I'm not saying that's the only reason it kept them in the game, but they did play with a lot of emotion and gave a scare to Purdue into the final minute. Steve, i got to ask you, being the Rutgers alum, <laughs> how is it that Rutgers appeared to have a bigger home field advantage in MSG than they did when they were actually playing at home this year? Winning helps. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. You got, you got to win. I mean, and everyone got the fever and decided, hey, this is a good show. Let's go up to New York. Got to win. It's tough when a team loses over and over and over again to go out and be fired up to go root them on. On the way back, I will get to my future ticket on Arizona, and then I want to talk about the philosophy of hedging in the NCAA tournament. I started running this by Brad Powers, and I think I just got laughed at, and I felt bad, but maybe Fez will be on my side. That's on the way straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. It's straight out of Vegas coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. It's Steve Cofield. No R.J. Bell tonight. He's on the mend. A little bit sick. A lot of it sick, actually. Brad Powers is here. Fezzik here. I've got my... Hedging during the NCAA tournament theory that I'm going to run by you guys. 
I don't think it will be received well, but I got to let the audience in on a fascinating conversation. At least I thought it was uh, during the break. These guys do this every day. They're professional betters. This is what they do. They study and study and study. So Fez, you did all college basketball today, right? For the most part, you watch from morning to evening and you just mentioned something during the break. You're like, I don't have time to handicap the NBA. You've always said this, that you need to specialize in seasons on certain sports. Do not spread yourself too thin. Yeah, so what I did, football ended, and I spent two solid weeks on the NBA only. Got my power ratings up to speed and the like. Really getting confident with the NBA where I was. Now it's March Madness. Great betting opportunities in March Madness. I will spend the next two weeks all in on college basketball because just for me, some people can do it. I can't. I got to do one major sport at a time and just spend 85% of my time on that one sport. I fully agree. And, and, and you also let the, you know, the, the demand out there also weigh you. What, what's going to be the most heavily bet uh, as far as not only March Madness, but all the tournaments going on? I mean, college basketball goes from a very niche marketplace to the most heavily bet sport in the world for this one month in March. So there's great opportunity for values to be very contrarian. And here's why there's opportunity. When there's betting dollars flowing into the marketplace, numbers are moving all over the place. Example in the Big Ten tournament, when there was four games that were going on uh, yesterday, the first half of the first game and the third game landed on the number. And you could have won regardless whether you played over or you played under. And then the game itself landed on the number. We just see the value of those numbers. Look at the Purdue game today. Um, it's crazy how the variance, when the betting public gets involved, you see games move from six to nine, and that creates opportunity. Yeah, the Purdue game he's mentioning, 78-70 final, and it was somewhere between, depending on when you bet it, six and a half to nine-point spread, so it landed in the middle. So I can be sharp like 2% of the time, but I'm mostly a recreational better. That's why I'm in the square chair. So I started tracking the look-ahead odds for an NCAA title with teams that are five, six, seven seeds, and then I looked at the bubble situation, and... I started thinking, you know, there's teams here that are 200 to 1, 300 to 1, 1,000 to 1. Why not try to do a little bit of hedging in the NCAA tournament? And you guys both looked at me and you're like, do not do it. The reason you don't do it is you're going to hedge a loss. Because even if one of those bubble teams manages to get to the final 32, assuming they have a one-third chance of winning each and every remaining game, which is too high, mind you, versus the money line you'd get, you're still looking at them only having a 250 to one shot, even after making the final 32. Dang it. Dang it. It's not a good option. And here's why. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather have a Michigan, a top 10 team, 40 to one, still available? I think that's a decent one there. Or how about a Virginia before they beat Duke earlier this year, 25 to one, Purdue 30 to one, just two weeks ago, North Carolina 30 to one, Kansas 20 or 25 to one. Wouldn't you rather have that? I suppose. I'll think about it during the break. NBA update on the way and some NFL regarding John Gruden. Hour two, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio in just a couple of minutes. Straight out of Vegas! Oh yeah, hour two is here. RJ Bell is out tonight at Steve Cofield along with the wise guys, Brad Powers, Fezzik. That was a depressing ending to hour one. I had, I thought, a brilliant theory. My 
hedge approach to the NCAA tournament. I'm seeing all these long shots to win the title, 200, 300, 500, 1,000 to 1. And you both looked at me like, are you an idiot? That's not the way to win money. So I've already been back down. There was a year Michigan State was the number two seed, and they had a tough draw through the tournament. They made the finals, and they had to play, I think, Florida, and they were like a six-point dog in that game. It turns out if you had just parlayed the six games of Michigan State back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, you could have engineered a 200-to-1 payout on them, and they were a number two seed. Can you imagine what a number seven seed would pay with a six-team money line underdog parlays? So here's the bottom line. While it appears to be dreamy, that you can get some super long shot and then play against them the whole way. You guys have said over and over and over again, just play the game straight up and just keep rolling it over. Absolutely. And I think all future, there is some value in college basketball in the futures markets in January, early February on teams. If you're buying low because teams hit that wall in that time of the year. But at this point, it's all almost completely dried up as far as the futures markets yeah. goes. And Brad and I talked about three teams. We went out, we purchased Kansas at 20 to 1. We took North Carolina 20 to 1 recently. And right now, Michigan at 40 to 1 is attractive. But you know what? That's not going to be there for more than 24 hours. It's now or never. You got to get that 40, not that 22. It's time now for the Hour 2 Vegas lead. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Yeah, it's March. Yes, I love March Madness. College basketball is my favorite sport, but I still recognize that the NFL is king. Even in March, we've got some interesting storylines. Let's start with a look ahead. We were just talking during the break about the fact that over-under win totals are actually out there. Now, the limits are very low, but it's something to sort of use as a forecast lose, uh, looking ahead to the 2018 season. So I want to run something by the two of you. You guys are numbers guys. You got to be in analytics. I know Fezzik mentions it all the time. Coaches in the NFL have got to embrace analytics. They've almost got to have an analytics expert on the staff, possibly standing next to them during the game. So here comes John Gruden out of the TV booth. Gruden is at the Combine this week, and I'm not sure if he really meant this. He was just kind of being TV tough guy talking about it. But hear what he had to say about new age analytics in the NFL. Are you talking about the analytics, the GPS, all the modern technology? Man, I'm trying to throw the game back to 1998. There's a stack of analytical data or data, however you want to say that word, that people don't even know how to read it. So I'm, I'm not going to rely on GPSs and, and all the modern technology. I will certainly have some people that are professional that can help me from that regard. But I still think doing things the old-fashioned way is a good way. How do we take that? Is he just talking trash? Because he kind of backed off and said, I'll have some people around. Do you believe John Gruden is dumb enough to ignore analytics? Because I'll counter with, I think the guy who uses analytics the best in the National Football League is the best coach in the history of the game and his nerd that he keeps downstairs. We're talking Belichick and Ernie Adams. You have to use analytics. And John Gruden will use analytics. Okay. Uh, I just think he, he just was media savvy, uh, you know, getting up there kind of similar to like a Mike Tomlin saying what's off the top of his head and not afraid. <laughs> I mean, not just being up there with coaches speak, yes, I, I will use that. So he will definitely, in my opinion, have an analytics guy. Oh, I'm not so sure. What oh, percentage? Come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, how many times do you have to see him go for two? 
after a touchdown. And the next possession, he is fourth and goal from the one, and he'll kick the field goal because of a gut field. Do you think he's using analytics? Well, I think there's two different things here. I think Brad was saying that Tomlin has a manner of speech with the media sometimes where he's, he's trying to push them away. Like his line this year, at one point, he was getting mad at the media and called them beatniks. And you're like, what? This is 1972? <laughs> Mike Tomlin is not an old guy. And you also heard Gruden in that rap on analytics mention GPS just to try to be funny. Now, that's a different discussion. I, have you ever heard Mike Tomlin come out and say, I don't like analytics? I've never heard him say that. Now, I don't, I don't believe that he has an analytics expert with him in his ear during the game. Do you? No. Uh, and we just heard uh, Philadelphia, the Peterson, has an analytics guy in his ear. And let's be fair. I'm confident well over 50% of the NFL coaches don't, and they just have a gut hunch. Boy, do I think I can make this fourth down if I go for it, as opposed to Peterson saying, it's basic strategy. I got fourth and one in this situation. Absolutely, we go for it. And then think about even the Super Bowl. He's going for it on fourth down. But Whoa. Look, look at at the end of the first half. There's 38 seconds left. He's got fourth and goal from the one, and he goes for it. The media goes crazy. <gasps> such a big risk when it's such a no-brainer for anyone that is schooled in this. It's it's shocking how backwards we are. Boy, wonder. I think uh, Sean McVay. Oh, of course, guaranteed he does. analytics. Come on, he's a trendsetter. He's a trendsetter. Handsome, the hair. Come on, he's he's gonna have an analytics guy. He's a smart young guy. Uh, so let's talk Raiders. So you are going to downgrade Gruden? Not not based on this, right? You're not high on the Raiders, though, coming up this season, correct? I'm not going to upgrade them, that's for okay. sure. I think, well, the Raiders, they won 12 games two years ago. I think they probably— Last year they were 6-10. and 10. Last year they were 6-10. But you and thought 10. even the 12-win season, you guys all pointed it out. R.J. Bell, Fezzik, uh, Brad believed this, that. That 12 wins two years ago was a bit phony. Yeah, so we're going to put an asterisk by that 12, and we're going to say the Raiders should have been a 95 We'll call it nine-win team because they only outscored their opponents by 30 points that year. They got lucky in a lot of close games. And a lot of that was Jack Del Rio being very aggressive, so that helped. Then they won six games last year. The truth is the Raiders probably just a below five, slightly below 500 team, but the public loves betting on the Raiders, and the bookmakers know that, and so they're always going to skew the number higher than it should be, in my opinion. So is there an over-under win total for 2018 out now somewhere offshore? Yeah, one offshore book that takes very low limits has them at eight wins, but... Has the Raiders at eight wins. And the vigorous on the over, you got to lay like <laughs> minus 230. So you got to bet $230 to win 100 if you like the over. If you like the under, I believe you can bet 100 so to win 200. One, you would never bet a minus 230 over, right? That would be a very rare case on a win total. Would you ever do that? I actually bet it on the on your Jets under five, and I laid minus two thirty last you year. Did. So I so I went. I got the push. I got the push, Steve. Okay. So you are willing to bet that? All right. So what do you think of that number eight? You sound like you want to go under, or you think it's about the right number? I would have made the number seven and a half. So you get the best of both worlds. You can play under eight, and you can get a big plus money. That is a good underdog to take a shot with. I think. Yeah, I would have made it seven, seven and a half as far as the Raiders. I think the under right now is a good bet. But again, we must say one offshore book, low limits. And do you not bet totals even with a low limit when March 14th is the beginning of the NFL year? We've got free agency coming up and obviously the draft as well. Like, Would that make you nervous to bet any of these teams before you know if they add some kind of significant free agent or two or three or four? I don't worry about it other than quarterback. There's several teams I would worry about, like the Denver Broncos. How can you bet their season went under 
<laughs> they could sign Kirk Cousins, and then all of a sudden, instead of a a, a seven win team, they become a nine win team. So you got to be very careful. I would not bet any NFL team that does not have a quarterback like Cleveland or like Denver. And on the college football side, it does not stop me from betting maybe a future or two right after the championship game is over. It's all to me about the numbers. If I think the numbers right for them to hold up, and I mean the books to hold my money for almost a year period of time. If the numbers right, then absolutely, I'm not afraid to. Yes, it's March. We know March Madness is upon us. We just hit college basketball for an hour. We'll get back to it here in the next 15 minutes, but the NFL is king, especially here on Straight Out of Vegas. Fezzik, Brad Powers, Steve Cofield here. So I'm glad you mentioned Kirk Cousins because I'm very high on Kirk Cousins. I believe that uh, he can take a crappy team to an extra, we'll say, three or four wins. Uh, I think he can do the same. I'm not going to get that aggressive. I think... If a team that was on the verge of making the Super Bowl adds Kirk Cousins, it's enough of an upgrade that maybe they win an extra game, and then I trust them more in the playoffs. So I will apply that to the Jaguars. But the Jaguars are now out of the mix for Kirk Cousins. They signed Blake Bortles. It's a very affordable deal. So from an NFL standpoint, I guess it's a decent signing. Can I tell you why I don't like the deal? Their mentality has got to change. And we're talking about the Jaguars coaching staff. Because that AFC Championship game, clearly they don't trust Blake Bortles with the play calling, right? They did yep. not go for the jugular and finish things off. So if you're going to have him back as your franchise quarterback, they have to change from a mentality standpoint, don't they? Are we going to do the same thing moving forward? The Jaguars are just going to play close to the vest and just hope the defense wins it and Len Fournette can rush for 250 a game? Didn't the Denver Broncos win a Super Bowl with exactly that strategy? Yeah, with Peyton Manning just a few years ago. And didn't Now that that is controversial because I think people hear that and they're like, Peyton Manning and Blake Bortles? That's a terrible comparison. But Peyton Manning at the end of his career that last year with a noodle arm was a very below, we'll say at best, an average quarterback. Average that, at best. That was able to make some very, very good reads and play calls. There's no doubt about that. Something that Blake Bortles has been unable to do. So, actionable advice, Fez. Uh, are you inclined to bet over or under that opening season win total for Jacksonville? What well, is the win total? It's all about what the number is, right? So the number opens eight and a half. The over is minus one thirty-five. Just one book, small limits, but I, you know, I assume they'll start coming up in other books. I thought the number was too low. I think that you really. Eight and a half in that division? Didn't they benefit from, let's see, Deshaun Watson being hurt? Uh, what, what was his name? The Colts quarterback? Andrew Luck being hurt? He's back. That doesn't influence him. That was an 8-8 eight eight team this year if he had a couple uh, of healthy quarterbacks in the division. I don't think they're an 8-8 eight eight team. They, let's face it, they were one play away, one no pass interference call at the end of the first half play again. What was that? Uh, Patriots, one penalty got called on them? the entire game, and the Patriots barely beat them. If the Jaguars go to the Super Bowl, heck, if the Jaguars win the Super Bowl, but even they lose, we're staring at 9.5. That's a pretty big adjustment, a game adjustment, just based upon a fourth quarter of play. But to Brad's point, that division is going to get better. The AFC South is going to get better. Watson will be back. Luck should be back. And the Titans coaching upgrade. With Mike Vrabel. I do think it's a coaching upgrade, but there'll be a transition period. I think the Titans are in deep trouble. That is the clear-cut last-place team for me. The Colts, if luck is is at 80%, I think they win eight or nine games. I think Houston could win 11 games if everything falls right and if Watson is healthy. 
And I think Jacksonville will be good again. That leaves your Tennessee Titans under 7.5 plus 130 as the best bet in that division. One more NFL storyline on the way back. I want to talk about the Redskins and what their win total is offshore. And if you guys like Alex Smith, you don't like him. Marcus Peters this week, you know, after being traded out to the left coast, Pick the side between Mahomes and Alex Smith. We'll have that for you. Straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. We're in the Geico Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We are Steve Cofield, Brad Powers, and Fezzik. RJ Bell back next Friday. So we were just talking NFL. Yes, it's March, but... I love the NFL. I love college basketball, but the NFL is king. And there are numbers out there looking ahead to 2018. And we do have quarterback news. And there's going to be more and more and more quarterback news. Remember, the league year starts on March 14th. So we're only, what, 10 days away from finding out potentially where Kirk Cousins is going to go. Then the second level quarterbacks. And then seven weeks after that, all of these draftees. So it's going to change the fortune, we think, for some franchises out there. We just talked about, like, uh, about the Blake Bortles signing. Eh, not super bullish on the Jaguars. You like over? Oh, no, Brad I, I, I lean under. Fezzik likes I, Pardon, I got over. the crossfire mixed yeah, up. Fezzik likes right. the over eight and a half. You like the under eight and a half. Lean so, under. So where are you going to take uh, Cofield and I to dinner after you lose that bet with me? Your choice, that's fine. <laughs> I like the Circus Circus Steakhouse. All right, fair enough. It's a bet. I'm not so sure that I'm really siding with Fezzik on that one. So I don't know why you lump me in. Because you want to go to dinner, right? Uh, no, I just don't. I don't trust. I don't trust the staff with Bortles. I don't trust that they're going to use them. Oh, you know, uh, take the shackles off, open things up a little bit. So what do you think about the decision of the Chiefs to go with Pat Mahomes, move Alex Smith onto the Redskins? Marcus Peters, defensive back from the Chiefs, who just got moved to the Rams, picked his side. And joke that, hey, Mahomes knows where I'm at. He can throw a ball to me because they're, they're going to be playing. I think that game's in London. He defended Alex Smith first on the Redskins. What do you think about the Redskins now with Alex Smith? Is he an upgrade over Kirk Cousins? Basically the same thing. And what do the betting markets say? I think he's a downgrade. Slight downgrade. I mean, I, it was very impressive what Cousins did. I mean, he loses both his 1,000-yard receivers. And he's still, there's no slip-up at all in the offense. And they're injured all year long. I think um, maybe there's some chemistry issues in the locker room, but uh, I got Cousins rated a very good quarterback. I got him about even. I mean, Alex Smith has been not a winning as far as a playoff quarterback, but, I mean, he doesn't make mistakes. He at least gets you to the playoffs. I I got him pretty much even between Cousins and Alex Smith. I've also talked to some media people who specialize in film study, and they believe that Alex Smith actually has a really bad rap as a guy who can't throw it down the field that he did throw it down the field more effectively this year. And maybe the Redskins will let him throw down the field even more as opposed to what Andy Reid does. So Alex Smith could be an upgrade. On the other side now, hey, Pat Mahomes, is he ready or not? So what's the Chiefs number? Chiefs number at nine. So they were a 10-win team a year ago. They've traded away a guy who had an all-pro season, very good year, and Alex Smith, and they're basically going with a rookie in Pat Mahomes. And I just... Don't know. I haven't seen enough of Mahomes to know how good he would be, but I will say this. The fact that Kansas City let Alex Smith go, they must think that he's ready. I mean, you still got Tyreek Hill. You still got Kelsey. Uh, still got Kareem very, Hunt. You, you got a very good coach. I think um, I'm neutral in Kansas City. 
I think the number should be more like eight and a half. But uh, Kansas City is in a division where there's a heck of a lot of uncertainty. Uh, quarterback spot for the Broncos, obviously on uncertainty for Oakland. So to me, they're still the favorite in the division, but I would have had the number at eight and a half. You know, if the Chargers can get by having to play 16 road games, they're, <laughs> they're certainly the best team in that division. Get over to Hooters. Got to try the new smoke wings. The whole new way to crave wings with all the taste and half the calories. You can eat twice as many. Hooters, get out there. NBA time. Before we get back to college basketball, we'll pick some games, analyze some games on the Sunday slate. So an update first on the East. We had a spirited conversation about two weeks ago after the trade deadline. The Cavs got moved aggressively as East favorites to even money. The Celtics were second choice at about plus 280. And the Raptors at the time were plus 450. At that time, Fezzik, you said what? I said Toronto, 3-1. to one. Key value, and I'm going to double down. Toronto's going to win the East, Steve. Toronto, you can still get 2-1 to one if you look around. They are clearly the best team in the East in my power ratings. Clearly. Clearly. It's not even close. Regular season power ratings, I got them 3.5 points better than Boston. I got them 4 points better than Cleveland. And I really think Cleveland, the best analogy I heard, they had four flat tires, and now they put on four spare tires. They're broken. They just had a four-game homestand. They beat Brooklyn, and they got blown out in three other games. They are not playing well. Oof. And, and Toronto, you think, as far as the, the Raptors, what, what's going to be the difference between this year and past years? I, I mean, they can't win multiple playoff series. Well, what is the difference this year? Yeah. How are they going to beat LeBron? LeBron has been in the final seven straight years. You're going to bet against LeBron. Yes. Depth. Uh, DeRozan and Lowry had to play hard for playoff seeding in prior years, and they always got banged up, and they didn't have a good bench. Now they got Van Vliet. They've got two really good backup guards, and I think they're going to be able to cruise to the number one seed without playing all that hard. And power rating right now, like I said, it, the power rating of this team, their points per game differential last year was plus three. They're plus eight this year. This team is loaded. How much of a difference does it make in the East to get that one seed and get to play potentially the Wizards, Pacers, and the semis as opposed to being stuck against the Cavaliers in the 2-3. Yeah, enormous because, like you said, there's three good teams in the East. So let Boston and Cleveland collide in the semifinals while you play a Washington team that certainly is playing much better without John Wall, but John Wall's going to come back. Maybe they don't get any better. Maybe they get worse. Bottom line, a much easier path. So are you worried, Brad Powers, about Cleveland or are you just kind of sticking up for him because LeBron's previous history has just been immensity over? He always overcomes obstacles. Uh, well, he didn't overcome too many obstacles when he was distracted in his final year at Cleveland, which uh, the first go around, and I think this might be the case again this year, where he just gave up in that Boston series six, seven years ago. Could be the, the case again. Yeah, I'm worried, but again, you don't win too often fading LeBron James as far as the Eastern Conference Finals goes. Seven and zero last seven years. I will not have a Toronto ticket at this point, so I disagree with Fez. All right, let's get Fezzik's take on the Western Conference. So we just heard uh, Ben Maller on a promo. I don't know if everyone could hear that, but he was smashing the Rockets, saying, hey, they're not going to get it done. Harden's history just doesn't make him believe that they can be the team that's going to win the West and go on to win an NBA title. Where are you now on the Rockets? and the Warriors, because clearly they're the two teams to beat on the Vegas odds board. They're way ahead of everyone else. Yeah, so regular season power ratings. Right now, I got the Rockets better. I got the Rockets one point better than Golden State. Now, that will change come playoff time. Golden State will be a little more motivated, 
and they'll become the best team. But it's really, really close. I hate to disagree with Ben Maurer, but I'm going to disagree with Ben Maurer. Uh, the Houston Rockets, I understand we're worried about Harden, and he did the no-show disappearing act in the All-Star game. But this team is so good with Harden, with Paul, with Capella. When those three start, they're 30-1. and one. Mm. Let me repeat that. When Harden, Chris Paul, and Capella all start, this team is 30-1. and one. They have a very good chance, at least 50-50, to get the number one seed in the West if they do so, and they want to face in Golden State. They're going to be only a very, very modest underdog in that series. So, value on Houston as far as winning the whole NBA Finals. Is there any value on that fest? No, because if I want to bet the Rockets to win the NBA Finals, I get like plus 180. I like the bet, and it's locally right here at the Westgate. Who's going to win Golden State, yes or no? And you can get the field, the no on Golden State, plus 160. You know what? I'll take the plus 160, and that way I get the Raptors, and I get the Rockets, and I get everybody else. Why do you think they put those those numbers up? Because the title, the title chase is just not is it not garnering a lot of action? Well, when because everyone assumes the West is going to be the actual title. Well, last year Golden State was more than a two to one favorite to win, so they just carried it over to this year. A lot more betting action. People felt like oh, no one can win but Golden State. So give. They priced the entire field versus Golden State, and they did it again this year. So you can bet Golden State minus 210 to win the NBA. The entire field, everyone else in the National Basketball Association is plus 160. You can also bet the West and get the entire field, which essentially you're banking on the Rockets, right? You can get Golden State at minus 260 or the field at plus 210. Right. So instead of taking plus 210... I'd much rather take the plus 160, and that way if the Rockets and Harden flame out, at least they got a second shot with either LeBron or with the Raptors. So let's look at the Sunday slate for college basketball, and let's start first with just a general betting tip on the smaller conference championship games. Fezzik, what have you found over the years to be a trend? Over the years, I've found under to be a great trend in these lesser conference finals. Both teams play very tight. Remember, this is an opportunity to go to the big dance. A lot of these schools don't dance all that often, and you see the teams in a neutral site game play very close to the vest. We saw it today. Belmont 51, Murray State 68. The total on this championship game opened 158, closed 148. Ten points down from the opener, still goes under by 30 points. You like that? Oh, I like the philosophy behind that. It makes a lot of sense because yeah, you're getting it's the biggest game of the season for them. The chance to to get on national TV for one game, get an NCAA tournament bid. So you get increased intensity on the defensive side of the ball. Every single possession matters. A lot of times you're playing in these neutral sites, particularly the Missouri Valley Conference, playing in a huge type of venue and setting. The backdrops are different for these types of players used to playing in front of four or five thousand people. Still playing in front of four or five thousand people, but it's in a 20, 30,000 seat or, or bigger arena. So I definitely like playing the unders in these smaller conferences. So this is actionable here tomorrow for Sunday. Big South game goes at 10 a.m. Pacific. Liberty, Radford, current total 122.5. Atlantic Sun goes at noon. Lipscomb against Florida Gulf Coast, 159. That'd be my favorite to go under because the reputation of Florida Gulf Coast is what their games usually have 180 points. And then finally, as Brad mentioned, Missouri Valley, you've got Illinois State, Loyola, Chicago. And no total up on that game. So three um, small conference finals to look to play under. I would not look to play under in the Big Ten final. Both these teams are in the big dance. This could be a high-flying reward type of game for the players. We're going to get Brad's take on the Missouri Valley and 
that Michigan-Purdue game on the way back. But first, with the latest, Ralph Irvin. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. You talk about that over-under number. Well, it's a final just down the road at the Orleans. Number 22, St. Mary's. They beat Pepperdine just barely, 69-66. The number going in was at 143 or 144, depending where you found it. So, again, just under that number. They're about the only team that won that was ranked higher than 20. Texas upset number 20, West Virginia, 87-78. San Diego State bounces number 21, Nevada, 79-74. Florida over number 23, Kentucky, 80-67. And Marshall, 76-67 over number 24, Middle Tennessee. Number 15, Michigan, 75-64. They beat number 2, Michigan State, while Oklahoma silenced number 6, Kansas, 82-64. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In the NBA, the Lakers won their fifth straight, taking out San Antonio 116-112. Houston has won 15 straight, 123-120. They take care of Boston and Denver, a 126-117 winner at Cleveland. And finally, at UFC 222, a big night for Brian Ortega as he stopped Frankie Edgar in the first round. I'm sure you're all cashing in your tickets as Ortega went off at plus 140. Real nice. Thanks, Ralph. Thanks. Square chair. Anytime. (laughs) We were telling Ralph off the air that uh, the square chair, myself, Steve Cofield, had a play on... Not Brian Ortega. Frankie Edgar, who was the favorite, got him at minus 150. And he was borderline arrogant. And he's not an arrogant guy, but in some quotes this week, he just kind of brushed people off. Uh, Just so you know the type of fight this was, Frankie Edgar is a former champion at 155 pounds. He fights now 145. He's been fighting forever. Very well-rounded guy. He's very hard to submit Brian Ortega is a submission fighter, so my rationale was he ain't submitting him, but this is the great thing about mixed martial arts. You can win in lots of different ways, and Ortega, who's really rudimentary as a striker, landed a a big elbow. Standing elbow came through. I think it was his left elbow came through. Frankie Edgar got rocked and then fell victim to an uppercut, fell to his back, fight over. Wow. So Ortega wins plus 130, plus 140. I was on the other side, and I will say... Poor Frankie Edgar, who's tried to make a run at multiple titles since he was the champ at 155. He's fallen short at 145. This was a replacement fighter. This was all risk, no reward for this guy, Frank Edgar, against Brian Ortega, who's the up-and-comer. So he loses. Now he's back down the ladder, and he may never get a shot at a title again. He was supposed to fight for the championship against the uh, 145 champ, Max Holloway, who got hurt. So it happens. Everyone gets old at some point. Frankie Edgar's 36, and that was his Mm. 30th professional fight. That kind of stinks. We will cover the big boxing match of the night. That was on Showtime. Crazy fight and even crazier scorecards to go with a crazy ending. That was the Ortiz-Wilder fight. So we'll get to that inside of about 10 minutes. All right. Let's get Brad Powers back on the Sunday slate of games. So Fezzik just went through a slew of the smaller conference games do you have some thoughts first on the Missouri Valley Conference? That's Illinois State, Loyola, Chicago. Yeah, and I'm going to talk Loyola, Chicago, and you're going to hear it here first. After Loyola, Chicago wins tomorrow, the Missouri Valley Conference. Here's a team where, what, 10, 12 days, or actually 
a week away from Selection Sunday now that it's uh, turned to, to Sunday uh, on the East Coast. Lyle of Chicago will be a 11 or a 12 seed. And if you're looking for that 12-5 upset, this is your team, Lyle of Chicago, a legitimate top 50 defense. And Lyle of Chicago even better than their gaudy record because Lyle of Chicago this year was without their best player, their guard Custer, for four games. They went one and three without him. Here's a legitimate 12 seed that it's going to be perfectly capable of pulling that outright upset. Lyle of Chicago, look for your, you're looking for a bracket buster. That's your team. Yeah, since Custer came back 14-1 and straight up, the only loss by two points against Northern Iowa. You know, the irony of this, this team's great with Custer. In the round one of this tournament, they're mm. up eight, they're laying six, and Custer has two one-on-ones at, in the last 20 seconds. He misses them both, one of the worst bad beats of the year for uh, Loyola backers in round one of this tournament. And there are two gentlemen in this studio that had Loyola Chicago in that opening round game. Uh-oh. Straight out of Vegas, Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. All right, let's take a look at, you know what, before that, did, did I need to like throw out my credentials for mixed martial arts? Yeah. I, I feel mean, like RJ always does that for me, and I didn't mention any of it. Was that a decent explanation of the Frank Edgar thing? Absolutely. Okay. I was just, and I didn't make any sounds because I was like in awe. I was like, wow. But I lost, but I lost the bet. Well, still, but you gave your reasoning behind it. I mean, just so folks know. If you would have gave the reasoning before that, I would have went out and bet that. You know what's funny about this MMA stuff? Is that the one disagreement I've had this year where R.J. Bell wanted to bet a fight, I told him, no, that's the wrong side. I got that fight. I haven't won a bet since. (laughs) I don't bet a lot of MMA fights, but um, oh well. You know, it happened. To be be fair with, uh, with R.J. here, he was taking the side of the let it ride better who was what a documented twelve and zero on the bets we had seen yeah. up until that point? Oh, it's no knock against RJ. The letter ride better was you know pretty well known as you said to be on this ten plus fight run. Then went to the World Series and reeled off five straight victories and cashed in over ten million dollars. Then he's the guy who bet all over town to the tune of another ten million dollars. Hence, let it ride on the Eagles plus the money. So, like, RJ jumped on that fight, which may literally be the only big bet that this dude has lost. In the last year. Right. Wow. That's pretty impressive. All right, we got college basketball going on beyond the Missouri Valley Conference. Let's talk Cincy. Cincy, plus one and a half against Wichita State. These are the number 10 and 11 teams in the country. Where are you going? I'm leaning with Wichita State, the home team here, minus the one and a half. I am not buying Cincinnati. Here's a team that's benefited from a relatively weak schedule. You look at Cincinnati uh, in some of their games as an underdog. Doesn't happen very often the last three years, Cincinnati. Three and seven against the number. When they step up against elite-level competition, they don't have that extra gear. That will be the case here against a Wichita State team that just beat Cincinnati just a few weeks ago on the road in Cincy. Give me the Shockers, minus the one and a half. Lean. Can I ask you guys a question about when numbers are posted? When conference tournaments are going on, why is there a delay? Like, why do we? Why can we get the Cincy Wichita State game that's going down tomorrow, but we can't get Missouri Valley, and we can't get in the case of I mean, we're talking big teams here in Michigan and Purdue. We've got a history. We know those teams. Why is the number not posted? Typically, if the schedule was known the day before, then you'll have an overnight line to bet into. But when you just have an outcome that occurred, oftentimes in the evening then the odds makers wait until the next morning to put up the lines. Yeah, and why conference tournament betting as far as the wise guys 
prefer conference tournaments compared to the NCAA tournament is for that reason. A lot of times they don't get posted until a couple hours before the game is tipping. A lot of times you can hit those numbers pretty hard, and uh, they, they're relatively soft you, for the you most You feel part. that way? Even as a guy who's not exclusively a college basketball guy, that the numbers, the books are a little more beatable? Oh, absolutely, because they're so distracted, and what happens, you don't know what time they're going to come up. So in the morning, 7.15, 8 o'clock at some point, boom, here comes the Purdue line against Penn State. They open it up, minus 5.5, minus 6. The early bird gets the worm and lays the 6 before it goes up to 8, 8.5, and, and they win by 8. That's Fazek. Brad Powers is here. I'm Steve Cofield. It's straight out of Vegas. On this Saturday into a Sunday, we're here every Saturday for two hours starting at 10 o'clock Pacific. We start our week on Fridays. We don't work at all beyond that. We just do these two shows. We start (laughs) on Fridays at 11 o'clock Pacific. All right, Michigan and Purdue. I know it's weird, folks. It's the Big Ten Championship a week before all the other big conferences are playing. We talked about this earlier that we sort of like it. I'll admit, I thought it was kind of a goofy idea how dare you have the Big Ten a week before everyone else because the Big East has to have Madison Square Garden. But I focused on the games the last two days, and I'm probably going to do it on Sunday. So Michigan-Purdue, hour one, you talked about Michigan being underrated, unbelievable defensive team this year as compared to what John Beeline has had in previous years. First of all, before a play, we have to know what you think the number will be between Michigan and Purdue. Yeah, and again, no line, official line out for Michigan-Purdue. I'm guessing Michigan's going to be three-and-a-half, four-point underdog in this one. Disagree with that, Fez? I think it might even come a slightly bit higher, and the reason being is what did we see today? We saw money pour in against Michigan and money pour in on Purdue, so I think the, the feeling is that Purdue is comparable to Michigan State somewhat. So if Michigan State's laying five, I think Purdue be laying four or four and a half. And if that's the case, I will be leaning. And what the heck? We're not even going to tease it here. Best bet for Brad Powers tomorrow will be Michigan at plus four or more. Here's why. Michigan lost two games to Purdue earlier this season. We said on yesterday's show, hey, it's tough to beat a team three times in a season. That's overhyped. In this particular case, both of those games for Michigan, losses to Purdue, coin flip games. Should have won the first game. Question, multiple questionable calls in the final seconds at home. They lose. Michigan does by a point to Purdue. Michigan, again, they win those two coin flip games against Purdue. Legitimate top five team. Michigan's got the better defense. I also think Michigan had a couple hour rest advantage here. And when you get deep into the tournament, every couple hours matters. Give me the Wolverines plus the points. In fact, I'll say Michigan wins the game outright back-to-back Big Ten titles for the Wolverines. A bold statement. You know what I like about this one is that I think I'm going to get four on this game. But I don't need four. I agree with you. I don't think there's much of a difference at all between these two teams right now. I would bet Michigan plus three, but I'm being greedy. I see the public betting Purdue, and they got there for the most part for most of the day yesterday. And for whatever reason, they don't like Michigan. I would bet Michigan plus three or more at plus four and a half. I'll make a really big bet on the Wolverines. One thing I will mention that hurt Michigan in the first two meetings, and I don't know if they're stat outliers or Purdue's size and perimeter offense gave Michigan troubles, but Purdue shot 55 and 57% from three-point range in those first two meetings. Michigan still got the cover in both of those. No other team 
shot better than 47% from three-point range against Michigan's defense this year. I don't know if they were outliers or Purdue's doing something that's giving Michigan problems. That would be my only concern in back in Michigan, but still, best bet Wolverines win the game outright. We want to recap a great boxing match tonight. It was crazy as uh, one guy basically pulled off a Hail Mary KO and Brad Powers released by his numbers the 10 toughest college football schedules for the 2018 season that's on the way, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Right cross, clubbing left hand by Ty Wilder. Get out, go to Ortiz for the second time of the fight. There it is, a minute left, right uppercut, and it's over. Mamma mia, Deontay Wilder has done it. That was crazy. That was on Showtime. Thanks for the call. As you hear Moro Ronaldo going crazy with the Mamma Mia as Deontay Wilder wins a big heavyweight fight tonight. We'll break that down briefly in about three minutes. We got a lot to get to here. Rapid fire, closing out straight out of Vegas before we hand it off to Jonas Knox, Fezzik, Steve Cofield, Brad Powers. One more comment from the square chair on the Purdue-Michigan game. You guys, you like Michigan too, right, Fezzik? I think they're going to win. So we think the line's going to be three and a half for Purdue favored. You mentioned earlier that Michigan had trouble defending the three against Purdue. That's why I like Purdue in the game, as long as it's not like six. Purdue's three-point shooting, man, has been really impressive. But I will give you one thing I worry about with Purdue. And this is something we talked about with Michigan State now like an hour and 45 minutes ago. The ability to take Isaac Haas away from the basket at 7'2", 278, is going to be really interesting as a defensive challenge. For Purdue to have to cover who? Wagner? Yeah, Wagner. And Wagner, different than than Haas, can get outside and actually handle the basketball on the perimeter. So that's a bad matchup, in my opinion, for Purdue. I do worry about the big men who have to play four games in four nights. I think it impacts them much more than the guards. Wagner started 0 for 7 from the field today. Yeah, but he rebounded and had a very good second half, and I will say this, advantageous for Michigan, a lot of their guys were in foul trouble the first game against Iowa and didn't get a lot of the full game minutes in that one, despite it going to overtime. Real quick on the Wilder fight. So, I'm sorry I'm a fight maniac. I've done fight coverage for Yahoo. I did like five years as the editor on the the MMA site there and covered boxing, and then uh, up the dial. We're on channel 83 on Sirius XM, so I'm on channel 93 hosting post-fight shows for like the last five years for USC, although doing this show now. Instead, Wilder was losing that fight on the scorecards of the media. Deontay mm-hmm. Wilder won in the 10th round with a knockout. I, every media person I saw had him down. 86-83, uh, 85-84. He was down. And then... He came back, knocked out this guy, Luis Ortiz. Wilder was a 325 favorite. He was going for 40 and 0, and then they showed the scorecards. He was actually leading on all three scorecards, which is which is crazy. It would have wow. been a really controversial ending. But anyway, uh, the story here, just so everyone knows, Wilder should be fighting Anthony Joshua, the big British heavyweight who's 20 and 0. They better make the fight because these guys both are big knockout artists, and if they don't make the fight soon, one of them is going to get knocked out and ruin for a little while a big cash cow fight. So let's close on this. I saw RJ up on Twitter at RJ in Vegas release what you have as the 10 toughest college football schedules in 2018 by your power rankings. What are they? Uh, at the, I'm not going to list all 10, but yeah. top five, UCLA, Florida State, number two, Michigan comes in at three, Oregon State, four, 
Pittsburgh five. No SEC teams. That's the How biggest. How dare you? Yeah, the SEC's the toughest conference. <laughs> they they got to play the toughest schedules. No, not when you only play eight conference games. You throw in an FCS team, a Sunbelt team in there. You do not play the toughest schedules year in and year out. The Big Ten and Pac-12 do because they play nine conference games, and the Ohio States, the UCLA's, the Michigans of the world go out and schedule another Power 5 team. They're playing 10 or 11 Power 5 conference teams. We're going to go under a 5.5 on an Oregon State team? Uh, you will not get five and a half on Oregon State. You might actually get two and a half or three on the Beavers. The lowest season win total this year will be Oregon State. Real quick, what would you do with a team like Pittsburgh? Uh, Pittsburgh, mm. five. I'm thinking season win total. Uh, not going to be a rebound season for the Panthers. That'll shock a lot of people seeing the Pitt as the fifth toughest schedule. Hit at RJ in Vegas on Twitter. Great podcast, including the Dream Preview. It drops on Wednesdays, and don't bet on it on Fridays. Jonas Knox is on the way straight out of Vegas. We'll see you next week. Straight out of Vegas! This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.